Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden and with me, our expert, Motorhome Matt Sims. Hi, Keith. Usually we're pretty jokey, but this is a serious subject. And the reason it's serious is there's a lot of detail and a lot of things we really didn't know. And you could be risking your life. Now, what we're talking about today is putting stoves into camper vans, caravans, pods, teepees. A great idea to burn coal or wood, but there are dangers and apparently no laws against it. That's right. So we've had lots of people asking us about best practice, guidance, the rules about putting a wood-burning stove or a solid fuel stove into a van or teepee or bell tent. Someone had a shepherd hut, in fact they had several, have asked the question, what are the rules and the guidelines? And it's actually a totally unregulated area and there are no rules or guidelines. There are rules and guidelines about fitting them into other environments, but these kind of small niche environments are just not regulated. and It's almost impossible to regulate them. And what we're talking about here is the possibility of carbon monoxide poisoning. If you don't know what that's about, it's known as the silent killer. And it's a gas which is given off when you burn some wood or charcoal or coal. And it's given out into the environment. And uh, if your stove or your barbecue isn't properly ventilated, that gas builds up and you breathe it in. Now, you don't notice it. It's colourless, it's odourless, but what it does is it bumps out the oxygen molecules from your bloodstream and puts carbon monoxide ones in their place. And you literally just fall asleep and never wake up. There's been uh, many years of regulation by different governments around the world to protect people with installations, for instance, uh, on your central heating system, which is very strict carbon monoxide uh, legislation it has to adhere to. But as you were saying, Matt... In a motorhome or a caravan or a teepee or a shepherd's hut, there is no law. So people are just putting them in and sometimes putting themselves at risk. So let's start at the beginning. Are we panicking over nothing? Well, I would say no. I've got a little list here of people who just brought a barbecue in to enclosed areas to keep themselves uh, warm on a cold night. Girl dies in Shropshire campsite. The whole family failed to wake up in the morning and their 14-year-old daughter had died from poisoning, carbon monoxide poisoning. All they did was bring a little barbecue in to keep warm round. Barbecue fumes are linked to death. A six-year-old girl died from carbon monoxide poisoning at a Hampshire campsite. A man dies on a Penrith campsite. Carbon monoxide suspected. A 45-year-old man was found dead in a camping pod from carbon monoxide poisoning. Gengok tent death. Classic poisoning from carbon monoxide fumes. Carbon monoxide from a barbecue killed a camp a 30-year-old woman died in her tent near Great Yarmouth from monoxide poisoning. Her partner survived, but he lost an arm and damaged a kidney due to the carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, I've listed them because it shows you the seriousness. And you're going to say, but those are barbecues. But they used charcoal. They were burning it in an enclosed space. And that counts also, doesn't it, for stoves? It does. And the important thing with a stove is three things, really. Ventilation, allowing the smoke to escape. So having a really good flu and a carbon monoxide alarm that works. Because in all of those sad, dreadful deaths, if there was a working carbon monoxide in that environment, they would have woken up 
and could have dealt with it. They could have taken the barbecue outside of the tent or the environment it was in, uh, and those deaths would not have happened. Simple as that. And you know, carbon monoxide alarms are not expensive. They will save your life. But you know, people still want to put a stove into an environment. You know, you take a, a Ford Transit van or a Vauxhall Mavano, and you want to make your dream camper, and you're going to go away in it in winter, um, or you're going to live in it through the winter, you need a heat source. And there are a number of ways of doing that. Truma are a manufacturer of gas-powered boilers, that combi boilers, and they will heat the water and the environment with blown air. Webasto, Eberspacher, they're companies that make diesel-powered heaters. They're common in lorries, so truck drivers use their diesel fuel to stay warm when they're sleeping in the cab. They require an element of technical know-how and capability to install. A wood-burning stove, you know, it's pretty easy, isn't it? You just have to bolt it to the floor, fit a flue, chuck some wood in it, something to ignite it. And that's the other danger, is fire, that the stove will catch fire to the vehicle it's placed in. So I wanted to unpack a bit more about this and find out what are the rules and regulations and the advice that people can listen to and get informed. And then if you're going to install one, go for it and do it safely. Please do it safely. This is your life and well-being that we are talking about here. And so, Matt, you've been uh, on your travels around the country talking to people who uh, have some expertise on this subject. So who have you been talking to? Well, first off, I started with lovely chap Mark, who owns a company called Salamander Stoves. And they famously, some time ago, created a miniature stove called The Hobbit. And it's one of the most popular wood-burning stoves or multi-fuel stoves used in these small environments like a van. I got to chat up with Mark. He lives down at Newton Abbott, and I headed down to his base at Salamander. What inspired The Hobbit? What caused you to create it? Well, a lack of a small stove for those lovely cast-iron Victorian fireplaces that where the person didn't want to have a a open fire anymore but wanted a stove but there was no stove small enough to fit so that's why I designed it but then the whole small spaces craze has taken off and my little stove has sort of like taken off with it so yeah it's all fantastic for me and by small small spaces you mean canal boats shepherds huts yeah all those all those type of places yeah camper vans camper vans tiny homes it's endless, really, the, the sort of little tiny spaces that it's ended up in. So for someone listening who's thinking, right, I'm going to go, I've got my van, I'm going to make it into my home, and I want to keep it warm through the winter. Their options are a Truma boiler, which will do hot water as well, a diesel heater. They're complicated, and you need expertise to fit one of those, arguably more so than you might with a wood-burning stove, might be the perception. So we're going to go with a wood-burning stove in the van, what would what would your advice be? Where should they start? I mean, obviously, identifying a spot in their van where one might be able to fit. I'd say, you know, the first thing to consider is what is the size of the van that you need to have, really, to make a, a stove practicable. If, it, if it's not, you know, of a particular size, then you'll just be sat with the doors open in your vest and pants wondering why you bothered. <laughs> So I would definitely... That's me most nights, Mark. <laughs> right, yeah, well, which is nice. You know, we all like a bit of that occasionally. But in terms of, you know, you imagine a summer's day when you you want to make a cup of tea and you've only got the stove to make it on, you know, it's going to be a nightmare on a summer's day in your van. So you, you've got to think sort of about all those sort of aspects. So, you know, make sure if, it's, if you're going to do it, you've got a big enough van to accommodate one. Otherwise, you're sacrificing a lot of other stuff 
for a stove. You know, get yourself a fire pit and sit outside with it. You know, I would do that rather than sacrificing all that space in your van for a stove. Now, I know you famously put a stove in a Morris van, didn't you, many years ago? (laughs) Again, I don't know how famous that is, but only you can be the judge of that. But I did that just for a bit of fun, really. Yeah, just for a bit of fun. Yeah, but not really very practical. Not if you wanted to turn it into a camper van, no. You'd have to sleep with it between your legs, which might be tricky. (laughs) You want to go for a, you know, a big, one of those things, sprinters and um, crafters, those sort of vans, you know, a big transit van. They, you can get one in one of those, and it and it'll work. Anything smaller than that, a T5, for example, or anything similar size to that sort of van, it's really a non-starter. And is there a maximum size? I know some people have gone as big as a seven and a half ton lorry. Oh yeah, no, there's no maximum size. Yeah, you can put one at either end if you like. <laughs> By two. <laughs> do you get a discount for the second yeah, one? Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> So what other considerations, you were talking earlier about looking underneath and checking well, what's underneath where you plan to put it. Yeah, I mean, it's that's sort of basic. Before you sort of like start drawing out endless plans on your computer of where you thought it looked the best, it would be a good idea to crawl under the vehicle and have a look and see where the gaps are, so where it's going to be easiest to, to sort of anchor the thing down. Because fundamentally, you want to make sure that your stove is is a becoming part of the vehicle in that it's bolted to it you can't just stand it in the corner and hope that when you you know slam on the anchors it's not going to end up in the glove box next to you so it's got to be you know well well bolted down so crawling about on the floor for 30 seconds and ascertaining where the best points are is a good start and what sort of things should people be looking for then under the van space (laughs) where there isn't cables and trunking and fuel tanks and that sort of gadubbins. And Uh, and this is so that bolts can go through the floor. You were saying earlier about how important it is that if the van rolls over, the stove ends up upside down and stays there. Yeah, so it's got to obviously be a place where it's easy to drop a bolt through the leg of the stove, through the body of the vehicle, and then put a, a washer and a nut on the back of it. So, yeah, somewhere where there's a bit of space, ideally. And then what about the rest of the stove? Obviously, there's the flue to consider. What consideration should people give to the flue? Well, yeah, like I, I tell a lot of people, the flue really is the engine of your stove. So you can't just bob in a you know a bit of old drain pipe or something and expect it to work because it just won't work very well. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of negative aspects of the, the flue not working well. So... You know, invest in a good flue. You know, you can potentially start in a bit of single pipe, but ideally from approximately sort of half a metre inside the from the exit point inside the van, you want to think about using twin wall insulated flue. And obviously externally you want to be in the twin wall insulated flue. It's dearer, but it's gonna it's gonna keep the flue gases that, that bit warmer to affect a much better draw. So there's lots of benefits, you know, to having a much better draw. So definitely invest in a good flue. And same as with the stove, you've got to make sure it's well anchored and supported so that, you know, in the event of a reversing onto a curb, it doesn't all just fall down, you know. So you've got to make sure it's all well anchored and supported. Now, one of the big risks associated with installing 
any solid fuel stove into an internal space is, is that of carbon monoxide, known as a, a silent killer. This is the, the gas that gets into your bloodstream and then kills off and drains all the oxygen out of your blood and, and ultimately can kill you. We know how serious that is, and I've referenced earlier these videos that I've seen online where, where people say, oh, well, I'm no expert, and they kind of just wash their hands of their expertise and then promptly tell you and, and regale how they installed a wood-burning stove into their van. What causes the greatest risk to a, an inhabitant of a van where there is a wood-burning stove, and how can that be avoided? The basic rule of thumb, I would say, is make sure that you've got adequate ventilation. So adjacent to the stove, ideally right behind it, you want to put in a 100ml air vent that allows unfettered air to come into the space. You could even protect it from being blocked up in some way so that there's always air coming into the space. Also, obviously, installing CO and smoke alarms in the space in the event of something blocking that inlet. You know, similarly with the pipe, the flue pipe, make sure you inspect it you know periodically to ensure that it's not getting blocked up um, and again that smoke alarm and co alarm inside will bring to your attention if something's fallen on top of the pipe outside or a paper bag has been blown up onto the air vent underneath you can always think oh well i've got x covered but you really want x y and z covered when you're in a van because it's you know potentially a sealed box so you don't want to be in competition with the stove for the available air in the van so making sure there's a you know an air vent that's always allowing air in regardless of the temperature outside is is a fundamental um, thing to consider along with that you know co alarm so what happens then is the stove is drawing the oxygen out of the air is that right emptying the van environment of oxygen in order to burn yeah there's no longer a a sufficient draw really the combustion's not taking place sufficiently well enough to exhaust the gases so the co begins to sink down and is no longer being you know exhausted but filling up the the space at the you know in the room so am i right in saying if you left a log in the in the in the stove and it was slow kind of burning. slow burning and, and really yeah, just... Yeah, that's a real potential producer of CO in the in the space because it's not combusting enough for it to be evacuating the gases. There's not, you know, if you've restricted all the air in the, in the space as well, what air can be evacuated? There's no available air left to pull up the flue. So... And at that point in the evening, of course, is when you finish the bottle of red... Yeah, and you're starting and you're to nod off. Exactly, yeah. And you've blocked up under the door because it was a bit of a chilly draft, you know, and shut the stove right down. That's when, you know, potentially you can be vulnerable. But if you've got an alarm, when you do those silly things, the alarm will remind you of that and uh, you'll be able to do something about it, like open the door, etc. But having adequate ventilation is, is paramount, is paramount, uh, as well as obviously the alarm. So, Mark, this is, as we know, an unregulated area of uh, using a wood-burning stove I, in a camper van or, or leisure vehicle that is going to drive down the road. But it doesn't mean you can't do it. You know, what we want is for the listener to really understand the risks of doing it and the best practices that they could possibly implore to keep themselves safe when doing it. Now, you referenced a building reg earlier that you point people to yeah. when they're thinking about it. Yeah, basically, there's a document called Approved Doc J, which is the best practice when it comes to fitting 
wood-burning stoves in houses. And ideally, you want to stick as close to that criteria as you can. There's um, a British standard, I think it's 8511-2010, which references installing um, wood stoves in canal boats, etc. Which is, again, it's basically uh, a boiled-down version of approved Doc Jet approved Doc J related to canal boats so there is some sort of information out there relating to other sort of vehicles etc and I think there's a new one coming out relating to shepherd's huts uh, etc so there is information out there but basically it's all boiling down to approved Doc J which talks about heights of flues and proximity to combustibles etc it's worth you know, it's a free download you know, it's worth a scan, a scan over it. Drawing attention to that and going back on to the point about the ventilation is in that document they do stipulate that only a stove in excess of 5 kilowatts requires any additional ventilation. And that in a, in a house of a particular age is probably true. You know, take a house in the 1960s or 70s, there's probably enough drafts already in that house that an additional vent would make little or no difference and the stove would work would work okay. But it's when people pick up that fact and then transpose it into the creation of their new tiny home, for example, which is absolutely airtight, uh, and say, well, it doesn't require any um, ventilation because it's not, you know, in excess of 5 kilowatts. It's a 3 or 4 kilowatt stove, for example. But obviously, in my mind, you can see that that's sort of like an incorrect way of interpreting the the thinking and the stove of any size requires a a feed of air for combustion to take place so you know i would give approved document j a a once over for for sure um i think there's another bcma um fact sheet on the building regs which basically boil down the building regs to the 12 sort of most fundamental points that you ought to consider that's obviously worth a worth a read as well because all those points are relevant you know the, when you're installing it in a house or a, or a van it's it's the same sort of things that you're considering how close is it to you know combustible material how high is the flue going to be you know how much of a frontage of you know in terms of hearth do I need to stand the stove on? All of those aspects will need to be considered. And okay, you may well trim them in a van scenario, um, and you can't actually, you know, stick absolutely true 100% to approved Doc J, but you can still get as close as you can to it, and obviously look more towards those safety aspects and try and stick, you know, as rigidly to those as you can. Brilliant. So, Mark, how do people find out a bit more about Salamander Stoves and The Hobbit? Oh, well, you can visit our website. <laughs> I think that's on most days. Or, you know, if you've got a project or something that you want to have a chat chat to us about, then give us a ring and, you know, send me an email with a couple of pictures and then we can make contact and we can have a chat about your particular project and see what's going to work best for you. 
Thank you to Mark from Salamander Stoves in Newton Abbott. Well, step forward in time a little bit, and I've headed to Birmingham to the Motorhome and Caravan Show, and I'm just heading backstage to meet up with an old friend of mine and someone with whom I'm about to share the stage with on the Inspiration Theatre for the expert panel. I'm meeting up with David Whitehead from the National Caravan Council to get his take. I'm actually the Director of uh, Technical Services for Touring Caravans Motorhomes. Worked in the industry for 37 years. Was originally involved in writing the standards, European standards for caravans and motorhomes and currently sit on the committees that are revising them right now. So what is your take on putting a multi-fuel or wood-burning stove in a van that's going to be slept in and lived in? On a, on a road vehicle, we certainly wouldn't recommend it, and there's several reasons for that. It was considered many years ago when we had British standards, and the British standards specifically excluded solid fuel heating systems from touring cameras and motorhomes. The European standards didn't put anything in to reference them because our colleagues in Europe said it just doesn't happen. Why do we need to cover it? So they didn't put it in. But certainly the British standards still in force covers solid fuel heating, but only in residential properties and holiday homes, not in mobile caravans and touring caravans. Uh, The biggest issue we have, obviously, is these vehicles are going down the road vibrating. You are relying on a fluid system that is pretty rigid to ensure the products combust and leave the vehicle. Any cracks, dents in that system is going to leave products of combustion coming into the vehicle. The caravans have not been designed for ventilation for those vehicles. The ventilation in the caravan is designed for the equipment fitted by the manufacturer. So therefore you could be putting the consumer at risk. But couldn't you add ventilation and make sure it's bolted in and fixed in and and it's all fine, isn't it? On a touring caravan, yes, but it means cutting through the whole skin of the caravan and the motorhome. You're going to invalidate your warranty for your caravan or motorhome because you've actually broken into a body shell that is normally warranted for water ingress. But for people listening to this, they might have a 20-year-old van that isn't under any warranty, you know, so there's, there's no impact there. What would you say to them who, who are f- considering putting one of these very romantic environment wood burners in? These units create an awful lot of heat. How do you prevent the equipment around it, the furniture around it being scorched or burnt? The extra weight you're then putting into that vehicle, that vehicle designed for, is designed for a maximum weight. You're adding to that all the time. If you're taking it out on the road, how secure is it going to be? Are you sure? When you come to ventilation and products of combustion, in the past, people have died in these vehicles. We want to prevent that at all costs. That's why the ventilation standard is so strict. It hasn't been considered in the ventilation standard. So I would say to anybody looking to put these in, you know, if we can't stop them doing it. It's entirely their choice. But there's so many things they need to consider. They need to consider ventilation. They need to consider the weight. They need to consider what's happening to the equipment around it. And these things put off an awful lot of heat. And what effect does that have on, maybe for example, the bonded construction and the, the glues in there? Are you going to overheat those? Are you going to cause a problem there? They do, do give off massive amounts of heat, and they are lovely. People love them. But in a, in a mobile vehicle, I just, do, just wouldn't recommend it. You don't think it's safe or sensible to do at all, then? No, I, I personally would not. I certainly wouldn't. I, I put too much stall on standards and how they're written. People spend hours and, and months looking at these standards to write them to make them safe. Why would you take a safe product and do something to do it that makes it less safe? I personally don't understand that philosophy. And certainly on a, on a mobile caravan, touring caravan or motorhome, the risk of the vibration down the road is so great for me that I certainly wouldn't recommend it to anybody. So why isn't it regulated against then? It wasn't when the, when the European standard was done. It was in the British standard, but we moved to European standards, and the rest of Europe 
A, had never seen it, no one in Europe had done it, and they didn't think it would ever happen, so they didn't do it. It's being revised at the moment, the standard. And now we have evidence that people are doing it, it will be brought up in those committees, and it may well be the next edition of our standard will preclude it. But that will depend on how the committee sees it, that it's a standard within Europe. And that's the European experts on caravans and ventilation. If that happens, it's regulated against, and someone fits one, where do they stand? The standards are standards, they're not legally binding. But if a consumer was to fit one of these units and then sell the unit on, he could become liable because he's made that modification. A manufacturer just wouldn't do it because it wouldn't be allowed. I don't know of any manufacturers fitting these products now. And I don't believe anyone's considered fitting these products, purely because most of the products themselves have installation instructions that you couldn't meet in a touring caravan or a motorhome. They're that specific. They're talking about hearths underneath made of certain materials, which adds so much weight. So it just wouldn't be feasible for a manufacturer to do it because it wouldn't be able to tow the caravan or be able to, to drive the motor home because the weight would be too high. So what regulation for someone considering doing this, because people are very motivated to fit them and they undoubtedly will, what regulation can you point people to that they should read and at least try and interpret so that they don't become a statistic and die? At the moment, there are no standards for fitting these types of products into touring caravans or motorhomes. There are for boats, mm-hmm. but boats are a totally different beast. The only thing they can go by is the insulation instructions supplied, provided with the, with the appliance. And if they cannot meet that, they should not fit the product. That's the simple rule. If you cannot meet the insulation instructions, you cannot fit that product. You are taking a massive risk. If they are meeting the insulation instructions, including ventilation, then they're doing that at their risk. And I'm pretty sure the the manufacturers of the appliance won't warranty it in a touring caravan or a motorhome. So, Matt, that was David Whitehead of the National Caravan Council. HITAS is a non-profit-making organisation and Calvin May is their head of technical services. If you want to know what HITAS means, it's the Heating Equipment Testing and Approval Scheme. And you've been to see them. I went up to see them and I had a word with Calvin and say, what's your take and recommendation for people who are considering putting a wood-burning stove into a camper van? Well, as a safety organisation, installation practices are critical in maintaining safety and environmental responsible burning. So the principal position is... There's a lot of considerations that need to be taken into account when installing something, particularly if it's in a transportable accommodation, such as a motorhome or a touring caravan. At the moment, there are no or little limited regulations that stipulate the installation for these. However, there are other aligned standards that exist, particularly in the boating sector, which people can read up on to get some general guidance that they can apply in these sorts of positions, including British standard BS8511. So that's British Standard BS8511. Correct, yes. It's for the boating sector, so narrow boats, Dutch barges and those sorts of things. But for an installation of this type, you're effectively surrounded by an enclosed space filled with combustible materials. So it's important that you consider the heat generated from an appliance such as this is kept from safe distances away from those sorts of combustible materials that will exist in these types of leisure craft. And what could people do about carbon monoxide then? Because that's a big risk too, isn't it? Absolutely. We always recommend for people in any situation to fit a CO alarm, uh, positioned in a suitable position away from the appliance at a suitable height. And again, it's really important for the consumer to test those uh, CO alarms when they can, every week or so, to make sure that they're working effectively. Would you recommend that this is a good idea, putting a wood burning stove in a VW camper van, for example? 
It's always tricky when it comes to things on transportable nature, um, but anything where space is restricted and enclosed, the principal position should be whether it heightens the risk or not. If it heightens the risk, then there should be real consideration of whether it is a safe practice to do. Calvin, just remind us what HITAS is again. So HITAS is the Heating Equipment Testing and Approval Scheme, and we are a body recognised by government for the supporting of cleaner and safer installation and operation of solid fuel and biomass heating appliances. Do you own a motorhome, caravan, campervan or tent? Head to thatleisureshop.com for all your outdoor living essentials. Outdoor furniture, leisure vehicle spares, accessories and more. Visit us in-store or shop online. Thatleisureshop.com. Quote the discount code at the checkout, Motorhome Matt, for £10 off when you spend just £100. Thatleisureshop.com. Proud to bring you the Motorhome Matt podcast. Ready for the adventure. So, Matt, you've talked to several people on this subject. When we started this podcast, I read out a very sad list of people who had brought barbecues into enclosed spaces and either died or been seriously injured due to mm. carbon monoxide poisoning. And we've established that uh, log burners, wood burners, charcoal burners, coal burners uh, are unregulated uh, in this country as it stands in camper vans uh, and enclosed spaces such as pods or teepees. Uh, having spoken to all those people, what is your advice to anybody listening or watching this podcast? Do your research. So listen to this several times. Uh, there's lots of helpful advice, hints, tips, places you can go and read the regulations that have been written uh, that do apply to homes, to buildings and to leisure vehicles that don't move. So static caravans and really understand the environment that you are planning to fit that wood burning stove into. As Mark said at Salamander, he's really helpful. He's very happy to go through your drawing and your proposed installation and advise you on what ventilation might be needed. One of the things Mark added actually was to fit a flue extension. The taller the flue, the faster the evacuation of the smoke from the vehicle. So it's worth considering a flue extension on your camper van that when you arrive, you know, climb on a box or shin up a ladder, however you do it, get on the roof and fit this flue extension, make the flue taller. You can't drive with it on, obviously, but fit that flue extension and that will help draw the smoke and those harmful fumes away out of the vehicle into the environment. Uh, and he says it's definitely worth investing in as tall a flue as you possibly can. And if you arrive at the campsite or wherever you are and it's raining or it's cold and you don't want to get on the roof and do it, remember, carbon monoxide poisoning is a silent killer. You go asleep and don't wake up. Get up on that roof, fit that flu extension and listen to the advice that you've heard here. Plenty more on socials, isn't there? Yeah, we've unpacked this further on the show notes for this podcast. Do take a good read. Do your research. Click on the links. Please do. If you're going to do it, go for it. You can create a really romantic, lovely environment. I have a friend who actually has a trailer tent, which he tows. It's one of these extreme off-roading kind of uh, trailers with a pot roof. And he said, I'll happily sit there in my pants in front of my log fire. But he's got the pot roof open, the door open because it's that hot, really well ventilated. And, of course, the point at which, as you heard in my conversation with Mark, when the danger comes is when the fire goes out. And really important, as the fire's going out, you finish the bottle of wine, you're starting to get ready for bed. You know, maybe the romantic environment has worked. <laughs> There's hope for you even, Keith. <laughs> you never know. And you're just heading off to bed. That's the point. You must be mindful that there's carbon monoxide risk. So please 
if you're going to install one, install with it a carbon monoxide alarm. That will save the day. Do it as sensibly as you possibly can. Get educated and stay safe. Yeah, so how do people get in touch then? So head to the website motohomemat.co.uk forward slash askmat. There's lots of information on the website, but on that particular page, you can actually ask us a question. You can type it into the form and press submit, or you can record your question and we'll involve your question in the podcast episode as a piece of audio. So do record your questions, submit them into us, and we will do our best to come back to you. We've answered hundreds of questions in the last two weeks. Not all of them have been appropriate for the podcast but they do inspire content as this one has been inspired today so please your contribution is much loved and if you're listening on apple on the podcast app please leave us a five-star review and a comment if you can it really helps spread the word awareness and the word that podcast exists and what should people do for youtube as well you can head to youtube you'll find us there at motorhome mat you can watch the episodes we're recording this one in the studio so if you prefer to watch those video you can do that on youtube and we're on facebook and instagram just search motorhome mat Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Motorhome Matt.